is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Free into the slot for Bluger. Two seconds left to the backhand. Stopped by Blackwood. They score. Sam Lafferty in front scores the shorthanded goal. With under a second left on the clock in the second period, the Canucks go up 2 to nothing. Addison on the line. Long shot. Locked in front. Rebound. They score. Fabian Zetterlund whacked at the puck. So did Tomas Hurdle in the slot. It finds its way past Demko. It's going to be Hurdle's goal, and the Sharks make it 2-1. to one. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Hughes on the right wing, sent it to the goal, tip by Besser, rebound, they score! J.T. Miller! J.T. Miller on the top of the crease, knocks home the rebound for his 12th of the year. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks bounce back. 3-1 win over the San Jose Sharks here at Rogers Arena. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And we'll bro- welcome in Randy Jandon to the conversation in just a moment's time. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And hit us up on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. And it's one of those games, Bick, where not too many passengers tonight. The Canucks played a clean team game. And they bounced back from what the coach mentioned was not a game that was up to their staples and identity last time around against Seattle. Yeah, I think clean is probably the right word for it. Uh, look, it wasn't 10-1 like we saw uh, last time. And, and not that I knew was expecting it to be, but uh, clean was the, the way to do it. And it felt like they kind of got back to some things that, that you saw earlier on in the season. It wasn't played at the tempo and the pace to, to, to generate the 10 goals, but very sturdy game from the Canucks. I thought so as well, and Randeep, uh, one of the things we talked about heading into this game was, given what the coach mentioned about not having the bad line changes, playing cleaner like we talked about, and also getting back to being good defensively, not surprising that for the most part it was a low event hockey game. That's right, and a few of the players that you know we talked about in pregame sat, where if you're Meeting pressure, how do you react? And I, I looked at some of the guys further down the lineup. I think we know what to expect with Philip Ronick, Quinn Hughes, but Noah Juleson, right? He was yeah. a, a player that was focused on a lot in post game last time around. Uh, he had a pretty clean game. Uh, you look at Mark Friedman, you look at players further down the depth chart to say, okay, it was consistent across the board. And also, shout out to the bottom six. I thought, you know, that Dakota Joshua line in the forward group as well, just playing strong. Teddy Bluger. Uh, not only picking up his first point of the season, but seven for ten in the faceoff circle as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Connor Garland doing his thing, especially early on in this game. So I think that commitment defensively uh, was strong throughout. But you look at specific efforts further down the lineup. I thought those guys were especially strong tonight. Yeah, and and especially Dakota Joshua. I thought he was yep. one of the better players tonight. Yeah. And featuring on the PK, you know, helps start that whole sequence. Uh, that winds up being for the Lafferty goal. Uh, his speed very effective tonight and ability to hold the play up and just allow the others to come into the play. I thought he did fantastic through the course of the evening. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at it shouts to Lafferty as well because mm-hmm. that, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of minutes before, maybe five or ten minutes before, he, he gets elbowed, if I'm not mistaken, and he's bleeding. He's he, bleeding at the lip. Yeah. At the lip. And yeah. later on that game ends up scoring that goal. But that PK combination of him and Teddy Bluger that played together in Pittsburgh, paying dividends there, hardworking game for those guys. Yeah, I thought so as well. And and just overall, too, one of the things we spoke about was the top six having a stronger game. And 
I don't, I don't think we've seen vintage Pedersen the last couple of games, maybe not tonight, but they did a great job. That line, in addition to everybody else, really controlling play tonight. For sure, and I want to go back to that shorthanded goal as well. He was aggressive on that forecheck, guys, where, you know, kind of led to that next, uh, that, that goal and that the Lafferty goal. He started it off being aggressive. We'll get back to breaking that down, but let's go outside the Canucks locker room where we have Teddy Bluger standing by after a 3-1 Canucks win. And, Teddy, uh, I know you're itching to get back into the lineup uh, to begin the season, have to sit out. Uh, how, how do you feel tonight after kind of it seemed like really getting your game back? Yeah, no, it was good. I thought, uh, you know, we had some energy, a lot of offensive zone time, um, you know, some good chances. So I thought, you know, as a line, we had our jump, and obviously in third period the lines were jumbled a little bit, but... Um, going out there with some guys I haven't played before, but I thought everyone did a good job. And, um, you know, we really limited their puck possession time and, and did a great job defending the lead, I think. Yeah, great game between uh, yourself, Connor, and Dakota. Uh, are you feeling that chemistry coming together? Because it felt like tonight you guys were clicking. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, we had a good game against the Islanders, too. Just, you know, just missing kind of that finishing touch, I think, a little bit. Um, but we're on the puck. I think we're doing a good job hunting pucks, getting pucks back on the forecheck. Um, retrievals, you know, possessing it, that sort sort of thing. So, um, like I said, just you know, the finishing touch would be nice. But I think for sure, um, you know, chemistry's building. The longer you're, you're with uh, playing with each other, obviously that helps. So, uh, hopefully, we can keep it going. Uh, on the uh, Lafferty goal, uh, how hard is it to stay patient? You were very cool taking it to the back end on that play. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of I figured that defenseman would come at me a little harder. So, um, originally, I was thinking maybe I'd pass it back to him, and then he didn't come. So then. Um, you know, I tried to go five hole there. I, th- I think it just got through, but but stayed in the crease, and then laughs did a good job driving the net and finishing it off. Did you know how much time was left on the clock? Uh, I had a rough estimate. Yeah, uh, I guess it, in my mind maybe a couple extra seconds uh, <laughs> than it turned out to be. But but fortunately, there was uh, just enough time for him to put it in the net. Uh, before we let you go, in terms of the overall team play tonight. Uh, the coach and you guys kind of mentioned after the last couple of performances, it didn't play up to your identity. Did you feel like you you guys played closer to your identity tonight? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, it was a pretty fast game out there. Obviously, you know they're a fast team, and um, you know it's important not to underestimate them. Uh, you know, I think the record can be a little bit deceiving. They still got some great players over there. Um, so I think yeah, we did a good job for the most part. You know, transitioning pucks quick and um, you know defended I think a little bit better and stuff. So. Um, I think it was a good step for us, for sure. How many games do you feel like it kind of takes for you to get back up to speed here? Because you're joining everyone else late. Do you feel like the timing's kind of catching up now? Yeah, I think so, for sure. I think, uh, you know, first couple, um, for sure, you know, the first one, you know, you want to make sure you're there physically and there's no real test out there that you can do that will prepare you. So, I mean, just getting into it and into the rhythm and of a regular shift, I think, is big. And then um, with each game, feel better and better, for sure. Teddy, great stuff, man. Appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck on the road trip. All right, thank you. Uh, that is Canucks forward Teddy Bluger coming through tonight for the Vancouver Canucks in a 3-1 victory over the San Jose Sharks. And uh, in terms of him finding his game, you know, we, we've spoken about how not having Pew Suter in the lineup, you, they've missed his presence, especially offensively, and in terms of being a better line um, territorially in the mm-hmm. bottom six. Tonight, you really saw Teddy Bluger be able to spearhead a line, at least territorially, in the other end. Yeah, and Vic, you mentioned you know Dakota Joshua's role on that line. I thought he was all over the ice in he the neutral up zone. In a big way today, yeah. But Bluger was a lot more noticeable in the right area in front of the net too. There's a couple, of, I want to say, four or five opportunities that he mentioned it himself. Maybe the finish was not necessarily there, but he's in that blue paint. He's in that area creating opportunities and. Sure, maybe maybe I'm sure internally he's like, I got to pick a corner there, but 
the fact that that line is in the offensive zone, mm-hmm. creating opportunities, you know, drawing penalties early in that game. Uh, Connor Garland is is cross-checked by Ferraro to, to create that uh, first power play. That's where you want. If that bottom six can soften up lines on the opposition, especially, you know, top six if you're on the road, that's what you need. And remember going back to some of these teams, the best teams in the NHL, hey, that bottom six doesn't necessarily score. If they do, that's great. But are you softening up those lines for your top six to come on the ice? And the more they do this, the more consistently you do this, it'll be successful. And, you know, we saw it early on in the year. I think that dropped off here in the last couple of games with five-on-five five ozone time. Uh, not not as, you know, often for the Canucks, but it was good tonight. And you got to continue that against the Avalanche, which is not going to be easy. I think you see some stylistic differences between Suter and Bluger, too. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Suter, he's a bit more creative, obviously, in the offensive zone. But tonight, to me, was was the night I think you saw the suppression from Teddy Bluger mm-hmm. of how smart he is defensively. And it'll still grow, obviously. It's game five for him. And, and just kind of hearing him talking about getting his legs back and, and timing, that'll come with time. But that is a very interesting element when Suter comes back. Now to have these two who can interplay in different styles and it's just not some monochromatic down the middle of just 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 survive. They each have their own elements that they can thrive in. And Randy, it was a great point. There were multiple shifts where he's trying to jam away. There's one with Hronik, Myers, yeah. Beauvillier right in front of the net, uh, all trying to plug away, dig it out. And, and it's something that obviously Patrick Alvey mentioned, that there's a little bit more offense from Bluger that they believe that can be there. Tonight was at least an indication that it could be there. Maybe the best game he played was the preseason game against Calgary, where yeah. that suppression you speak of, where nobody was getting by him. He was in front of the puck. He was on top of the puck. And he was, you know... He was just making the right plays. He's probably not back to that level of just game speed, but once he is, guys, I think this is a this is a player. We haven't had many players in Vancouver like this where in the neutral zone, he's hounding the puck. He's on you, right? He's got such a singular focus of how can I delay the opposition. And he, like, he is so smart at just taking a space away and pushing the play in a certain area where it's disadvantaged to the... Well, he gives you the space. He gives you the space where he wants you to go. Yeah, and and now they're able to just funnel and, and close in. He, he's such a great player, uh, intelligent player, and it'll be interesting to see how how he grows in that role tonight. Again, with with Suter out, playing with Garland, playing with Joshua. At least they held their own territorially once again. It does make you think, Sad. Just before uh, letting you uh, take over here, but you know, pregame we talked about the chemistry not necessarily being there, but today he showed something that. It's not going to be like Suter. Suter mm-hmm. plays a different style, as you mentioned, but wait a second. It does give the Canucks options where you want that internal competition, right? If Suter comes back and, and you know, has an off game here or there, you got Bluger coming up and saying, hey, I can do this too. It's just you got to get him back up to speed. And they do both have positional versatility mm-hmm. where Suter can especially play wing as well. And listen, the reality of a long NHL season is you're, you will seldom have all your players healthy. But when we think of what does this Canucks team look at its, look like at its best, we haven't seen their four centers. We talk about the defense all the time. We haven't seen their four centers really be on top of their game. So when we see that, then, then I think we can start maybe seeing them pushing ahead a little bit here in terms of the more territorial advantage. And, and this is a San Jose Sharks game team where they should be the better team and tilt the ice, and they yep. did overall. I thought they had some slow moments in this game, but as they got to the third, they really choked it away. But I think when we get to a point where we can see all four of those guys in the lineup, then we'll get a true sense of, okay, what can this team look like in terms of coming at the opposition in waves, and especially against a more formidable opponent? Yeah, and that duo of Bluger and Lafferty, we saw it on the PK. Um, Lafferty a little bit more on the wing, 
where you're able to maybe play with a little bit more speed. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that as well. This guy's been a pleasant surprise where, you know, going back to the trade, a lot of people are saying, okay, is this got the yeah. right move, but clearly, uh, you know, the Canucks brass know what they're doing and having a, a history with the player. But, yeah, that versatility of right now he's filling in in that center role. But, you know, next to Bluger 5-on-5, five five, I'd like to see how that goes as well because I think you're going to see maybe a little freer Sam Lafferty lowering his shoulder, driving the net a little bit more. Yeah, and uh, I think... In addition to that, we talked about the back end and how they were going to play. And I thought tonight, a, a better game defensively as well. I thought the defense, the fours were far more available for for their breakouts. And I thought that allowed them to at least be a more connected five-man unit in getting out of their own zone. This was the cleanest game they had, especially in the second half and the third, of them transitioning the puck going the other way. It, it felt like a basic game, to be honest. It, it almost felt like a preseason game where it's like, hey, we have to get the simple stuff right based on where they're trending here for five games. And, and look, there are a few texts coming in. You know, Canucks didn't play great. And yeah, I, I don't think they were 9 out of 10, 8 out of 10, but they certainly suffocated the Sharks. Well, also, and going into the game, the coach challenged, said we weren't good enough defensively. And yeah. one of the things we talked about pregame was, do we see a low-event hockey game? Yeah. And that's what we saw. Like, I thought I thought the Canucks were hyper-focused on being better defensively. Now, the Sharks had a couple good scoring chances. The one goal that was disallowed on the goalie interference was a great chance. Eklund had that great chance, two-on-one, yeah. and Thatcher Demko. I mean, he misses the net. Shorthanded, yeah. Shorthanded chance. So they did have some great opportunities. But overall, I thought the Canucks didn't give the Sharks anything cheap tonight. No, and they got better as the night went on, where I think in the first period you could see it was kind of stop and start. We were talking about the flow of the game yeah. through the first at least 30 minutes of the game, it was it, there was not much flow to it. But to your point, Vic, as the game went on, the Canucks locked into who they are. And that five-minute ma- uh, match penalty, we were talking about the major to Niels Hoaglander, and we haven't really talked about that yet. But in a way, that kind of woke him up. Mm-hmm. Um, Elias Pettersson, I talked about on the four-check being aggressive. Uh, you know, that was an area of, okay, time to focus and try to really lock this in. So they got better as the night went on. Um, and I felt like that five-minute penalty... In, you know, we're going to mention this all the time, or in the past, this would have happened. But in the past, that would have, you know, that ends a lot of teams on a night. The Canucks, I felt after that, were like, all right, we're going to focus now. And, you know, that's what we saw with Elias Pettersson, who looked like he was pretty angry in the second period. He didn't get a couple of calls. Well, yeah, in the third, especially late in the third, too, where he got his stick broken. He yeah. was still exasperated, skating back to the bench and yelling at the or or gesturing at the referee, I would say. Especially after the penalty. Yeah. Uh, he threw a couple of hits on that first yep. uh, shift on the PK, and then they went and go wind up scoring that goal. But uh, an energetically as Pedersen. I still don't know if we're seeing the best of them, but yeah. at least an energetic version of Pedersen tonight. Yeah, I thought that line was more direct with how they wanted mm. to play, and they were quicker to make decisions, get out of their own zone. Kuzmenko that, hits the post. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, what's the difference between Kuzmenko's game this year and last year, except for the bounces? Is there a huge difference so that, in how he's attacking the game? So, okay, that play, last year those were all going in for him. Yes. Uh, last year against the Rangers when he had the break win overtime, those were going in for him. So I agree with you in that regard, but the difference? I think you know, he's much better defensively aware. Uh, that's a positive. I'm just yeah. I'm saying offensively. Oh, offensively. Offensively, offensively yeah. because even on the power play, people are like, hey, he doesn't touch the puck that much. Well, he never touched the puck yeah, a lot. Yeah. I mean, he, he had the tip-ins, he had the tap-in goals. 
but out like I, I'm not seeing a different. But you can make the point yeah, he's better defensively, but in terms of his offensive actions, sure. I'd like to see him attack a bit more here and there. But we had that same quorum uh, issue with him last year, saying, "Hey, you should take more chances, shoot the puck a bit more." Even last year, his volume he, he averaged just what under two shots per game, or just slightly over two shots per game. He's on the same pace this year in terms of, t- terms of his shot attempts. If you look at it, his metrics, are pretty similar. To me, it's just not the bounces going in for him. Bounces, and I feel like, and maybe maybe this is me, but I want to get your thoughts on this too. Like him going one on one on players, like you just don't notice that. Maybe downhill a little bit yeah, more in transition. Like I, you don't notice that as much. Uh, different situation, obviously different season. Last year was more free flowing hockey at the beginning of the year, and we know now it's a little different. But I think from an offensive perspective, uh, the bounces, yeah, it, everything he was touching was turning into gold last year. Now it's. Slightly cheaper material. It's copper. <laughs> yeah, it, all right? it is. Uh, all right. Just well, one thing real quick. Dakota Joshua. And I wanted to get to Hoganider before we let you go. But we haven't mentioned Dakota Joshua tonight. I think that this was the best game he's played all season. He was a problem everywhere on the ice. I think early on in this game, and for the Sharks, I mean, not for the Canucks, aggressive in the forecheck. Um, him coming back and, you know, providing the back pressure through the neutral zone. He was everywhere. Just using his stick, using his body. Uh, early on in this game, really just... I, I love the the way he was playing, and to me, you know, when you talk about playing quicker, mm-hmm. and Talkett mentioned this morning, when he's half a second quicker, it makes all the difference in the world. That's the Dakota Joshua we saw tonight. There were so many just a seal guy on lo- along the walls, whether it's in the, in the neutral zone, offensive zone, plenty of those, and functional physicality, not going out of your way, yeah. just showing, hey, I can go throw a hit for the sake of throwing a hit. A lot of it was, you're out of the play, you're done. And I, I, I'm finishing my check, forcing you to make a decision early, and I'm going to finish the check. There was a lot of that tonight from Dakota Joshua, best game of the season for him. Yeah, and we'll delve into his game a bit more uh, a bit later in the show. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. And finally, before we let you go, Niels Hoaglander gets assessed a match penalty, five-minute major, uh, five-minute uh, penalty. Uh, power play for the San Jose Sharks. They give up a goal, they convert on a goal, but on the play itself, did you agree with the decision, the assessment by the officials that he sloughed with Kevin LeBanc? I did. I thought, you know, he felt the the stick on his back. Uh, you could see Kevin LeBanc kind of comes in high. Uh, it's nothing egregious, but, you know, the sleuth with that ensues after. It, to me, that was a in the moment. I think we all kind of saw it, and I didn't, I didn't like it. I think that's a, it's not a great play. That's a pretty greasy play. Um, now the question is, what happens after that, right? Does it stop there? Uh, to me, it wasn't a, a play that I like because right after that, you can after he feels the contact, you could kind of see it as a retaliation play, mm-hmm. and it makes it look worse. But I wasn't a fan of the play. What do you guys think? We talked about it in the second intermission. I don't know if there's intent there from Nils Hoaglander, but I don't think there's any way you can look at it and say that's not a match penalty. Whether it's yeah. deliberate attempt to injure, whether it's actually slew footing. Again, I, I'm a big fan of looking at the intent. I don't think there's intent, but I, I can't dispute the fact that he sweeps his leg yeah. and then the, the, the manner in which he kind of follows through as well doesn't look good either. Well, it, the slew foot is dangerous because it turns somebody head over heels and they yeah. fall over. That's exactly what happened to Kevin LeBanc. It's not your traditional slew foot that you imagine where the skate's on the ice and you sweep it up yeah. and kick it up and that's the more obvious. It's like a judo it's, kick. It's you more know? like the, yeah. the thigh into the knee kind of thing. Yeah, and but the result is the same thing. I agree. It was more maybe frustration turnaround. I'm, I'm just going to knock this guy yeah. over and now I'm trying to slew foot him necessarily. Yeah. But I don't know 
how if you review that play, you come away with it not being a slew foot. I think yeah. I agree the intent wasn't there, but the reality is slew foot, and this is rule fifty two point one in the National Hockey League. If it's if a slew foot is assessed, it's an automatic match penalty. Yeah. So I know people are caught up with the official mentioned attempt to injure and all that. F- forget about that. The, the reality is if you deem it a slew foot, that's going to be a match penalty, and that's what it was deemed as. Yeah, and I think before that, he was having, having a good game, right? Like playing with speed through the neutral zone, he was engaged in the offensive zone. Unfortunately, in that moment, whether the intent was there, we can't really answer that question. Only Niels knows, and I'm sure he might have a heart-to-heart with Rick uh, talking as well after the game potentially, but... The action speaks for, its, for, for you know, I agree with you guys. I think once you see that the way it is, it's hard to hard to go back the other way. To me, it looked like a slew foot. Yeah, no, I hear you. Randy, great stuff, man. Calling the game alongside Brandon Batcher. We look forward to your call coming up on Wednesday when the Canucks travel to Colorado to face the high-flying avalanche. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Have a good night. Uh, you got it. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Dunbar, Lumber, a lot of them to get through here. But just to kind of wrap it up on, on Niels Hoaglander and his night, and, and I know people are also chiming in about that. Uh, somebody chimed in and said, I hope uh, the head coach Talkett, this is from Will and Kukulam, I really hope Talkett disagree with that match penalty so he doesn't cut Hoaglander's ice time. Thought he was playing great and deserves a look in PDG or Kuzmenko's spot in one of the top two lines. That's Will and Kukulam on um, Niels Hoaglander. I thought Hoaglander had a strong game again him again tonight. Uh, he forced he forced the issue. He created. He had a great chance in the first period where um, uh, it looked like Mackenzie Blackwood was up to his usual you-know-what against the Canucks, making a great save on him. And um, I thought Hoaglander, up until that moment of the game and that late in the second period, was pretty strong again. Yeah, well, we're, we're seeing him constantly move his feet, right? And when he doesn't slow the play down... He can be very energetic, and he's got such a low center of gravity. He gets under uh, players' sticks and, and, and gets through them, works really hard. It's just the moment, and, and suddenly it, it brings into question from Will. It's like, hey, I hope he doesn't cut his minutes. Well, if something further comes of this, supplemental discipline, well, you're going to be out of the lineup, and, and you're going to give someone an opportunity to stay in the lineup. It, it just it, it opens a series of questions that I think Nils Hoaglander probably doesn't want to see answered. Yeah, well, you're right, and especially if Pew Suter gets because clo- once Pew Suter gets closer, someone's got to come out. Tough decision to make on that, right? Uh, all right, let's hit a couple text messages before we get out. We'll get to the head coach on the other side as well, and your phone calls six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. This one says Bavillier was a top-rated forward by Hacky by hockey stat cards. So one of the analytic uh, formulas has Bavillier as the best player in the game tonight. I think he played really well. I thought he had a solid uh, game too. And especially when he got bumped up to uh, the PDG spot, you saw the energy. And and there's been a couple of moments where you and I have discussed just off air where you know, PDG fits on that line, right? Mm. Like, there's no disputing it. But sometimes the puck has come to him in an open spot. Yeah. And he goes to take a shot, and it just becomes a, a, a nothing rebound, or he gets sucked in. And you just think, okay, if someone's just got a little bit more touch there, a bit more of a cutting edge, can someone start bearing some chances? Now, Bovillier, like, he scored 35, 40 points in this league. He He's provided some goals. I think you just notice that initial energy and a bit more focus on how to create goals from someone like Beauvillier over PDG. There was a shift in the third. He jumps off the bench, and he, he takes this pass in stride, and he slides it to Besser right at the top of the crease. Brock can't turn it in. And then later on, Miller finds Beauvillier on that flank, and he kind of just does a one-time shovel pass towards the, the crease that's saved. 
it's just more energetic offensive instincts from Beauvillier versus PDG. Again, who fits perfectly on that line, but this is the thing we keep looking for is, okay, what's the next evolution? Now you have 16 games. Mm-hmm. Teams get to look at you and say, okay, this is what PDG does. He's going to be hard in the forecheck, so move it fast away from him. Yes. And if you're stuck, if he's not winning the initial battle, what else does he feature on that line? Well, now you have Beauvillier who can add a little bit more speed and a little bit more uh, offensive flair as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it makes a big difference when you get these guys playing to their abilities, especially in that bottom six role. All right, we'll get to more of your thoughts on, on the text inbox, box 650-650, courtesy of Dunbar Lumber, and also on the phone board, 604-280-0650. It's Sat, it's Bick. Canucks win 3-1 over the shark. Sharks right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Ovilia gets it from Hironic at the red line, driving back into the shark zone on right wing. Drops for Hoaglander, makes a move near circle, tried a shot, it was blocked, he gets it back. Leaves for Hughes at the line. Hughes darting into the high slot. Now around Zetterland on the left wing towards the goal, he scores! it off the post and in from off the left wing and the Canucks take a 1-0 lead well that's what this game needed some Quinn Hughes magic Quinn Hughes what a snipe helping the Canucks win 3-1 over the San Jose Sharks and this is the Canucks Central post game show on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650 you can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 and in a night where royal uh, some royalty was at the game uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle at the game taking in this uh, contest Markle? Markle? Is it Markle? I, I don't know Listen, I, I don't know these things. I'm just trying to do my best to stay up with them. Uh, 2-0 and when the royal family's in town. Because I think they won the preseason game when Queen Elizabeth. Now, she left uh, during the game. Oh, okay. But okay. I, I think they won the, the preseason game against uh, San Jose all those years ago. San Jose, too. All I know is that uh, showing they showed Prince Harry on the Jumbotron after the JT Miller goal, and mm-hmm. he celebrated it. very Big like, sellies big by sell- the couple. Big yeah. Se- yeah. So, I mean, maybe they are Canucks fans. Could very well be. And, and look, Austin Langley is asking, uh, I hope Prince Harry calls into the postgame show. I hope so. So if, if there's a Harry in Sussex on uh, line one, Eddie, make sure you patch him through. Yeah. Uh, he might get priority on the on the uh, Or Megan. Board. Or Megan. Yeah. Well, we don't discriminate. Yeah. Either one. Either one can call in. And she can tell me how to pronounce her name properly, and that'll be just fine. It's a no, tough she's with look. The- <laughs> Buckingham Palace on line two right now. <laughs> <laughs> Call in to give me grief more than anything else. Uh, all right. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. And, you know, people are texting in about Quinn Hughes as well. Uh, this one from Fish Dancer. Hughes on pace for 129 points. That will be good for fourth all-time. He's an all-timer uh, for Fish Dancer. His shot is remarkable right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that goal he scored, Bick, he picked the spot. Picks Absolute it. snipe. Yeah. Absolute snipe. And... Uh, Maybe we have to reframe how we view Quinn Hughes as a goal scorer and his, and his ability. I'm not sitting here and saying he's going to score 30-plus goals or anything, but I was mentioning, hey, he's got eight. He's got eight. I was mentioning 15 or something. Like, he, this guy could actually break 20 goals with the way he's shooting the puck. His volume is there as well. So last year, um, he had 154 shots on goal. This year, he's al- already a third of the way past that. And heading into this game, uh, I was mentioning this a bit earlier uh, on, on the TV panel, but... 
he's fifth. Oh, right, because you and I macro on TV. Right, right. But him and him and uh, he's fifth in the entire National Hockey League with his wrist shot. He's taken heading into the game. He had taken fifty uh, forty-seven wrist shots. So I mean, he's only eight of his other shots of the fifty-five coming into the game were not wrist shots, and. Of NHL defensemen, he led all NHL defensemen with 47 rich shots coming into the game. The guy who's second, Shea Theodore, has 33. So a 14-shot difference between him and the second place because his his wrist shot is actually very effective. He gets it through really well, and there's real power to it now. Not only power, but precision. And there's a few. I mean, he scored the overtime winner as well, where he roofs it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We, we have to reconsider Quinn Hughes and what he can do with that shot because it's looking rather, rather impressive. He's making up for the shooting percentage regression that Andre Kuzmenko is going through, yeah. right? He, he sh- he's up uh, over uh, 12% uh, after the numbers after today's game, but I imagine that's only going to go up uh, again. But it, it's been a strong start for him. And again, it, the, the recognition of that play, too. Blackwood's kind of trying to seal the inside post, and he's parallel to the line. I, I Pierce, if he thought Quinn was going to do the the lap around and he was just getting ready to push off the post but he finds that far corner with traffic there uh really really accurate and great shot from quinn hughes and his matches his career high and here we are game 18 and quinn hughes has uh already done it sorry game 19 yeah when he clocks in with 23 minutes and 24 minutes of ice time it's a lot but, of minutes yeah a lot or, or just like not a lot for quinn hughes but in a night when they played the sharks 23 minutes philip ronick 26 minutes? Well, he's, yeah, Philip Hronik led the entire team, led everybody in the game in ice mm-hmm. time tonight with 26, as you mentioned. And you know what? They actually gave Friedman and Juleson decent minutes. They Juleson both got, got over 14. Almost 15 each. Uh, Friedman got 15-10, and Juleson got 14-43. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have to lean on Tyler Myers too much tonight. Played 19-40. And I think that's kind of where you want to keep him. You, you want to keep him under 20 if you can, if you want to get peak Tyler Myers. I wouldn't have minded 22 if it kept Pronix minutes down. Yeah, but I, I think that's also a bit of an indictment on the game. It, it, there wasn't much doing in the first, right? If it was you, like a runaway 4-1 early, okay, you can shuffle up a bit. There's still a lot of minutes. Now, yeah. look, you played just shy of five minutes shorthanded, so that plays a role when they're shorthanded for five minutes. Well, I think that plays a big part in, into it as well. And, you know, I don't think the coach wanted to take any chances uh, with the way the Sharks scored that goal coming up in the second period to on continuation of their five-minute penalty, the match penalty given to Niels Hognider tonight. Uh, all right, let's keep going through some of these thoughts on the text inbox, 650, 650. Uh, this one here says, I am a Canucks fan, Harry from Sussex. So Harry from Sussex <laughs> texts in to say he is a Canucks fan. And this one says, Megan Markle, might, is that right? Markle, yes. Markle. Megan Markle lived in Canada while filming Suits. She's a Canucks fan, this text says. There we go. Uh, 650, 650. There are some uh, royal texts coming in. Well, yeah, there are. Spiritual advisor. Prince Harry texted me to text you. Uh, to text you, give pe- taxpayers a big thank you for the box seats. Spiritual advisor. I'm not sure that's how it went, but uh, sure. uh, Prince H also texted into the show. Uh, the match began as a friendly between Essex and Cambridge, but ended nicer than Devonshire cream and crumpets. <laughs> nice. I like the creativity coming into the text inbox. I think that one's from Leaf. Leaf. That's a good one. Leaf coming in strong. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of takes coming in on the, on the royal family here. Uh, somebody calling them the big grifters as well. There's a bit of everything on the text inbox. You, you get all sorts of opinions anytime royalty Absolutely. comes into the equation. Uh, yeah. All right, 650, 650, uh, back into the inbox. 
what do you guys think uh, should Bovillier be with Miller uh, and Besser and PDG on the third to see how that works full time? Um, sure. I, I think it's it's interesting that you mentioned earlier that they had these different variations that they can go with. Remember a couple of years ago when we thought, oh, look, Garland's arrived and they can play around with this. And it, in hindsight, and, and it, it materialized within 20 games, they didn't have a lot, of, a lot of options. It does feel like they have different machinations that when they throw the lines in a blender, you can come up with kind of different versions of it and... and at least you can always go back to PDG Miller Besser because it does work. Right. It just there is a there is a natural ceiling, of course, on that line, and it's not a long term solution. But in the here and now, it works. And there are times where you can throw Anthony Pavilion up there if you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think for Anthony Pavilion's game too, when he's playing at his best like this, or at least closer to what he can play in terms of what his ability is. Then I could see it being effective, playing that type of role. The only thing is, in terms of that line being successful, do they rely on what PDG does in terms of the dirty work, that they want that to be a real staple on that line, using that word again? Mm-hmm. And that's what I wonder about. And as good as... like Bavillier clearly is the more talented and better hockey player than PDG. But in the things that PDG excels in, it's what the coach seems to favor. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing that, because I agree. I like what PDG can offer. But there is a clear ceiling to it, and it does make sense that at times exploring other th- players to see if they can do something with that type of role. Uh, 650-650, Anida uh, or Aninda, sorry if I got that wrong, uh, from Vancouver. Uh, Hughes taking the lead league in scoring while the Eastern boys are sleeping. Make this all happy. Hashtag not the best tier three player. Shots fired. No, yeah, so shots fired. Yeah. not tier three. Look, I, I think it's tier one shot. I'd say that. <laughs> Him and Hironic today tried to do that switch so many times, and it paid off finally with uh, Hughes scoring a goal. But multiple times they tried doing that rotation at the top of the blue line, and the they're they're finding just different wrinkles for it. One time Brock Besser popped out for it mm-hmm. and slid the puck to Quinn. And Quinn kind of brought it back, and Hronik is waiting for a one-timer. Brock's waiting for a one-timer. Quinn opts to shoot it this time with that patented wrist shot that yes. I talked about. And then the, the one time Hronik got it in the first period, and he's coming down the flank, and he, he, he tees up a wrist shot, and then obviously Quinn scores later. They're just finding different variations of that. It is like – I'm interested to talk to Yannick Hansen tomorrow. He'll be on the People Show. Just how you defend that. Because they've done it over and over, and every single time they do it, it just feels like they open up space. Someone is, is going to be open, whether it's Quinn skating with it, Hronik skating with it, or they pass it to each other. The, the the two forwards at the top that are trying to defend it never really know when to switch, when to pull off, and what to do with it. And they are finding uh, chances to generate offense from it. Yeah, no, they are. And, and I think that's the advantage you get from having those guys together. And sometimes we wonder, is, is it be- are you better off splitting those guys up? You get to exploit certain matchups. You get to manipulate plays certain ways. You can't do without having them together. And I think that ceiling is something when they're at their best, you just can't replicate anywhere else. They had gotten away from being as effective the last couple of games. So it was nice to see them. And, and I know it's the Sharks, but to get back to being able to manipulate uh, defenders the way they did tonight. I wonder if, if there's a... Because they haven't been as effective the last few games. If that plays a role with Susie being out, if... if when they're out together, they're trying to just be a bit safer. They know they're logging more minutes now. Mm-hmm. Now, tonight, he plays 23. If they're just 
trying to limit how much they're pushing the tempo given game situation and everything. If, if you have Susie there, there's another person who can eat up 20 minutes as well if that plays a role. Because you're right, it, it hasn't been as smooth for them uh, since he's been out of the lineup. No, absolutely. And uh, it is very much defense by committee outside of those two guys who were back playing at a high level together as a pair. Uh, a lot of reaction on text inbox, 650-650. That text earlier you attributed to Leaf. Uh, this one says, how dare you not Leaf Vikingstad? My bad, sorry. The Vikings done. None too, please. Uh, Aichi, he signed it as Prince H. What do you want me to do? Uh, Aichi in Toronto. Hashtag God save the Quinn. <laughs> that's good. I like that. That's that's strong. <laughs> that is strong. Uh, this one here. Bloody hell, that was a thrilling match. Very exciting seeing my favorite NHL hockey player, JT Miller, score tonight. Cheers, mate. Harry from Sussex, allegedly, signing in. <laughs> <laughs> oh... The royal content is going to be through the roof. Today. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be a lot of fun today. All right, all right. Yeah, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. We'll take your phone calls on the other side as well. But first, here is head coach Rick Tockett after a three one win over the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, I, I thought there were some really good parts of the game. We had some chances. I just didn't want us to get frustrated. Um, you know, the Sharks worked hard. It was a hard you know it's a hard working game. You know, it's not. You know, I thought we went into. The game, like knowing it was going to be a tough game, and it was. How important was the goal right at the end of the second period on the penalty kill in terms of you know shifting any momentum they might have gained from yeah. going to the power play and extending your lead going to the third? Yeah, I mean, you get the five minute uh, power play and stuff. Uh, yeah, that was a hell of a you know get that two goal cushion. You know, it's a shorthanded goal. You know, it, it got some juice. I saw uh, after that we had a, b- a bunch of ozone time where guys were getting some chances. You just got to be careful because then people, you know, when you get a chance, you start diving in, and they were sending guys out. You, you know, they almost had a couple of two-on-ones. You got to be careful when that happens. Did you like the way your team was able to be contained in in a zero-zero game? Yeah, sometimes these games um, it tastes it tests your fortitude in the sense it's okay, it's zero-zero, and uh, you know, I. I felt that first maybe a couple of lines were getting frustrated because they, you know, they weren't, they were getting some chance when scoring, but we weren't driving to the net. I mean, a lot of it was outside stuff, and I think when you play, you know, the Sharks, they've changed. You know, obviously they played well the last two three weeks. They've changed some stuff. They pack it in. Uh, thought their goalie played well tonight too. So you can't get frustrated. And you can't, you know, sell the farm on every play. Um, so sometimes it's good to have those games where it's zero zero halfway through the game, and it's okay. I mean, that's something we got to keep, you know, uh, learning. You know, what were your thoughts on the Niels Hoaglander match penalty, the review, uh, how it went down, and sort of how it pertains to what you want to see from him, both tonight and going forward? Um, yeah, Steve Kazar, who's a you know, he's a great ref. He uh, he just told me I think it was a slew foot. I think that's why the major comes in. You know, I, I honestly, I, I think I maybe saw it, well, maybe twice quickly on the our monitor. I haven't seen it in the uh, the main room yet. Um, you know, slew foots are tough. I, I didn't see it, so I don't want to. I can't judge Hoggy on on the slew foot yet. But yeah, you don't want slew foots in the league. That's they, they are dangerous. But I, I I don't know. I didn't see it to be honest. Yeah. Was there any hesitation on the goaltender interference uh, challenge? Um, uh, well, Dylan and Greg, our video guys are great. I kind of, I saw it a couple of times, um, and they, I got to give them credit. They, they, they put goal interference and I went with them. I mean, I'm going to go with them every time. Um, 
you know, if you ask some people, some people, ah, it's a, a tough one. But I think when the guy dragged his leg a little bit, I think uh, that was kind of the selling point. I think, you know, I think, obviously, but I'm biased, right? I thought it was, you know, I don't know what they're saying, but <laughs> obviously. Uh, with two minutes left in a two-goal game, you have JT Miller, one of your leading scorers, diving across the ice to block a shot. What does it say about the buy-in that you're getting from your team that you see a leader on your team doing that? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Millsy's... Uh, you know, he drives the play. You know, we're, when when we're not we're we're playing a little bit slow or we're not under game, he demands the puck by going to areas. That's what I'm trying to get a lot of our players to understand. You know, you you have to drive to where whatever area to demand the puck. If you don't get it, at least you're getting on the forecheck. And sometimes we're getting guys are playing a little bit slow out there, and that's why Millsy's so important to our team. Is he drives the play with his attitude and his his north style. You know, he really it's infectious. The Hughes and Hironic pairing, I think it sounds like they're getting more vocal as this is going on. Are you seeing something similar like that? And how does that help them if they vocal have on the ice? Or yeah, just vocal just with each other, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, even the meetings. Yeah, they're, uh, Phil's a, a pretty quiet guy when he first got here, but he's really, uh, you know, he's a leader now. Like, you know, I had a leadership meeting the other day and he was in it. He's, he's, uh, he's a very vocal in the sense, his own way. Um, quiet, but, but he's, he does say some stuff now, which I really like. He's, he's taking that leadership role. He should. I mean, he's a, he's a big part of our team. And with Tyler Myers, he said that his game's calmed down quite a bit over the last yeah. little bit. What do you like? What is calming down in his game that you're liking? <clears throat> you know, I mean, every says simple hockey. He just, I think, since the Nashville game, how many games ago with, uh, when we were there? What was that? Ten games. I mean, I'm you know, I, he's been our, one of our best defensemen. Um, just the way we want him to play, the way our system is, he's playing it, um, and he's embracing it. You know, he's not getting in trouble. He knows the he's, he's he's making the right play. He's making the first pass to the right guy all the time. His indirects are great, <clears throat> and he's actually doing some really stuff good on the blue line. So, and the penalty kill, I mean, tough break, but he blocked that shot. Um, yeah, he's been really good, really, really good. I'm proud of him. I, I just like the way he he came out. You know, he wasn't as good for that Ashley, and he admitted it. And he just, you know, he just reset, and he's been great. He's been great. Are you seeing a little bit more offense? Because it feels like there's some confidence there, and a little bit more offense coming from that. Yeah, he's got offense. You know, he's got offense. He's got to, you know, he's got to understand. You know, he, we don't want him to lead the rush. We want him to be the fourth in the rush. And and I think he's been doing a really good job at that, being the fourth guy in the rush instead of leading the rush. Quinn, uh, Coach Quinn has told us since he got to the NHL that he was going to be better, you know, at 20 games and he was at 10. He'll be better at 40, and he still thinks his peak is years from now. But are you seeing a guy who's getting better? It almost seems like by the week that he's getting better. <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, when I just got here, he was telling me that his he's either hurt or something about training camp. He, he hasn't had a good start for. I think he was hurt a couple of years, and, and uh, for whatever reason, and I remember this summer he said, "I have to have a good training camp and a good start." And obviously, he's parlayed into that. I mean, he's been obviously his his walking the the blue line. I mean, he's in the, the Cal McCarr uh, category now. I mean, the, the, I mean, I ever saw a guy like McCarr who walks that outstanding, and you got to throw a Huggy in there. Uh, the, the way he walks that blue line is incredible. It's. I was a winger. It's tough when you go out there. You don't know what he's going to do. It's hard. Um, and then the shot, obviously, he's developed that shot. I mean, that he's got a laser now. That third goal that was generated uh, with Ronick and, and Hughes and Miller ends up getting the goal, 
do they have the ability just to elevate at certain times and certain shifts and just, you know, almost will a goal? <clears throat> yeah. Um, their chemistry is really, and, and they'll tell you, they could even get better, but I just, the chemistry they have, um, the way they can walk a blue line, the way they can, you know, feed those pucks through the net. Um, actually, sometimes they'll even tell you they, they should probably shoot a little bit earlier sometimes. They're, they're actually, they're actually, sometimes I get dizzy watching them, the way they're just whipping around. But they're, um, yeah, they're, they're, and they, they just enjoy playing with each other, you know, and, Sometimes we split them up for some reasons, depth reasons. But um, yeah, they've been they've been terrific. I mean, every line I like to play with them, obviously. Coach, uh, there's a school of thought saying American Thanksgiving, twenty games in, you know what you got. Pretty much feel you know what you got with this team right now. Uh, so far, yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we worked on some stuff yesterday. We weren't happy with our play without the puck. I thought we were better tonight. Uh, you know, San Jose had some 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 moments, but I thought we were. Better at that. I thought our wingers were better at snapping into their their D in the neutral zone. Uh, case in point was the goal. Uh, was it Lafferty's goal? Um, it was Lafferty, right? Was that the goal? Um, through the neutral zone, he snaps up, takes the puck from a guy. Bolivia makes a nice play. They get the. That's the stuff we got to get better at. And um, we talked about that, and we got a goal from it. So the one thing I, I can say since Thanksgiving is that they've taken the. The, not the criticism, but some of the things that we haven't been as well, and then apply to the next game. Big picture, are you happy with the way this team resets and refocuses thus far in the yeah, season? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, leadership, a lot of credit, but you know, there's so many games left, there's going to be ups and downs, and we got to deal with some adversities too. And um, I thought last couple of games were just okay. And uh, you know, whether it's adversity, you know, uh, I felt guys had, had a good effort tonight against a team that works hard. I mean, you know, everybody's expecting like 10, five goals. It's not that type of game. These guys are good NHL players over there, too. So it's a hard game. Eric, what did you make of your third and fourth lines? You talk a lot about your bottom six mix, and they were they were good early or good often, and they really seemed to carry the tempo there. Yeah, I thought Josh Dakota one is, uh, I mean, uh, Dakota's uh, DJ's probably is one of his best games. Like, he's been playing really, just chipping away his game. I thought he was really good tonight. Like, he, he was one of the players, especially early. Thought he's one of our better forwards. Um, you know, laugh getting that goal. I, I thought um, Bolivier. I threw him up on the on the line with Millsy. I thought that really energized him. But I thought he was pretty good before that. Got a bunch of chances. I know he's snake bitten right now, and I, I don't want him to get frustrated. But he had some chances. Um, so when you get those depth guys, I thought Teddy Bluger was tough and good tonight too. So that line was good. Special night with some Royals in the building as well. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Gave him a, I gave him a fist bump. I don't know if that's you're allowed to do that. I, I did it though. He did it. I don't know. He kind of looked at me, but he did it. So, you know, pretty cool to get a fist bump from, right? That's Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after three one win. He's like, uh, yeah, I gave Chris Harry a fist bump. It was pretty Highlight cool. Highlight of the night. He had to get a touch of royalty. He couldn't help himself. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Harry wanted a touch of the uh, talk magic right now, right? Well, he's like, he kind of looked at, he kind of looked at me like, who's this guy? Oh, good. <laughs>
<laughs> Noted Canucks fan, Prince Harry. Uh, that is good. He's like, that's pretty cool. That's probably that's probably the most enthused I've heard ever talking to me. And I was meeting uh, Prince Harry, who had the ceremonial puck drop. People are wondering, mm-hmm. what are they doing here in Vancouver? Well, to promote the Invictus Games. Yes, which, which is going to be in Whistler. Which is coming up in 2025. Uh, Whistler in Vancouver is where it's being held. So that's why they were here on hand tonight. And the, the ceremonial puck drop before the game, Prince Harry dropping the puck between the Canucks and the Sharks. A 3-1 win for Vancouver. Now, you know, he, he went through a number of different things in terms of how the team played tonight. He, he liked the fact that they they were able to be okay playing 0-0. And he didn't like, he said sometimes some lines are getting frustrated, but it was nice for them to go through that type of game where yeah. you have to be, you have to make sure that you can be comfortable playing a 0-0 game. And I think that, honestly, the 3-1 game, 2-1 games, I think that's going to be more Canucks hockey as the season goes on. Scoring the 70, what, now they have 78 goals on the season, which leads the entire National Hockey League. And that absolutely prolific start to the season, I think, is misconstruing what this team truly is. And I'm not saying they're not going to be a good team. I'm just saying I don't think they're going to be consistently winning 6-2 games. First impressions can warp reality. Precisely, right? And the thing about it, though, is they have the ability to go supernova. Because of the talent they have. So even if you play this style, because of Quinn Hughes leading the league and scoring with 30 points, Elias Patterson, JT Miller, and just run through the list of players being uh, productive this season, when they pop, they can dominate and, and score as much as anybody. But I think consistently over the course of the season, this type of game, a low event game, is going to be more of the Canucks brand of hockey we're going to see. Yeah, this is honestly what I thought we'd see most of the year, and it, it, it started so glowingly. Brock Besser scoring all these goals, and here's Queen, here's JT, here's PD kind of leading the league in scoring. So I, I think the fact that they were restrained in waiting for the opportunities to pounce, uh, to me, speaks more to, I think, the, the type of team we're going to see more often. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, that's something I think is encouraging in terms of how they got back to do that. It is a, a lesser opponent, obviously, in the Sharks. We still have to take care of credit. And he mentioned they've been playing a lot differently, taking away the middle, packing the middle of the ice. And, you know, a win's a win. And the Canucks did a good job of taking this one. So many text messages coming in about Bolivier. Oh, I know. This one is, who's Bolivier? <laughs> uh, this one says, is it unprofessional that Taka doesn't seem to fully know all his players' names properly? I don't know if it's unprofessional. He seems to be not great with names, right? Like, he he, he says Bolivier. He even called Kale McCarr, Cal McCarr. And I mean, I, I think he knows who Kale McCarr is. I don't think it's any unprofessionalism or disrespect. I just think it's one, like he, it's one of those things. He's got a thing for names. He worked in broadcasting, though. Come on. <laughs> Be on it. Be on it. Matt in Toronto. I think we need to move Bavillier because Taka will never get his name right. <laughs> Uh, that's good. That's good. All right. Uh, Brandon and Poco. Imagine the reaction of Rick talking if Andre Kuzmenko committed that slew foot. <laughs> you know, well, now, he, he said he hadn't seen the play properly. He didn't mm-hmm. want to comment on it. He said, obviously, you, you know, slew foots are not great plays. Praise the officials, too. Yeah, he did. Steve Kazari, uh, good official. Good official. But he's, he's good at playing the uh, gamesmanship, it, it, gamesmanship, isn't he? Like, I know... There's been a couple games where the Canucks haven't gotten the calls they want, but the Canucks are still top five in the league and penalties drawn. Yeah, and they're one of the best. Their their penalty differential is plus fifteen, and they take and they draw a lot of penalties. So I guess frustrating game to game, but his his uh, his posture with the officials and, and how he speaks about them. It, it may not go unnoticed. Let me just put it that way. He's playing the diplomacy game. Yeah, maybe sometimes that's more 
with some dignitaries in the house. He's learning. <laughs> He's fist, learning. The fist pump. The yeah, the fist, fist pump goes along. Start fist pumping the refs. Uh, uh, but this, look, he mentioned the the, the, the slew foot. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he'll take a better look at it uh, when he gets the chance. Uh, I'll read this from the rule book as we did in the second intermission. Rule 52 of the NHL rule book. Slew footing is the act of a player using his leg or foot to knock or kick an opponent's feet from under him or pushes an opponent upper body backwards with an arm or elbow and at the same time with the forward motion of his leg knocks or kicks the opponent's feet from under him, causing him to fall violently to the ice. 52.2, match penalty. Any player guilty of slew footing shall be assessed a match penalty, and there are no specified fines or suspensions for slew footing. However, supplementary discipline can be applied by the commissioner at his discretion. My guess is um, he, he skirts punishment. Again, I don't think there's much intent in there. Yeah, I mean... But now you're, you're starting to dispute that. You got some new footage? Yeah, f- f- well, Fast Eddie Gregory sent a few stills about this, too, and kind of looks like the initial point of contact, LeBanc is his LeBanc leg... LeBanc comes into the into the whole scrum. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't do anything wrong. He comes in and, and engages the body in a scrum, and his left leg is behind uh, Hoaglander's right leg. Mm-hmm. And because of the initial positioning being that, and the fact that the initial contact isn't where the, the sweep happens... You can look at that and say him him turning around and getting uh, inside of him and then turning him around is intentional. And if that's deemed intentional, maybe they attack a game on. So I can see the case when you break it down frame by frame the way Eddie did with the photos and he sent it to me. But I still would imagine he skirts punishment. You know what really doesn't got look the, good? They, they called it on the The guys. way he falls. He falls, falls on LeBanc, and yeah. it's like you can see the stick kind of come up around the neck area. And, and that, to me, kind of maybe speak to the attempt to injure uh, sign. I don't know if that's a deliberate attempt, but when you add the whole act in, you know, Hoaglander's foot is almost parallel to the ice by the end of, of him doing it. It's at least at a, you know, 45-degree angle. It it really doesn't look good. Can I Deliberate attempt to injure? No. I, I, I hard, I'm hard pressed to think that this is a slew foot. Or, sorry, this this isn't a slew foot. Yeah, yeah. I, and so ultimately, we'll see what happens here with him. But if he does miss a game, like we mentioned, if Suter is getting closer, all of a sudden it makes it tougher for making decisions in terms of who's going to be in the roster and who will be out. Traditional Sue says talking was low key okay with Hogue being greasy playing on the edge. Yes. At the same time, he's also criticized Juleson that time. It was against the Flyers when he went in uh, after a hit to uh, when there was a penalty being called. He jumped in and he became the third guy in and ended up drawing a roughing penalty and it offset the penalties. And his thing was, hey, be smarter about it. So I do agree he likes physical players. He likes guys having an edge. But I think he doesn't like undisciplined penalties either. Not to say that he viewed it that way with Hoaglander, but uh, he also did say, Slewfoots are dangerous plays, and you have to. They have, they have no place in the game essentially. So, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah, it was very vocal. It was like, yeah, you don't want to see slewfoots. Uh, obviously, very dangerous. Um, but yeah, I'd be curious to see if there is supplemental discipline. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um, a couple texts in here. Even Rick Dollywall is catching some strays. We talking about names? Rick Dollywall has entered the chat. <laughs> and this one says, "Talking is just learning how to pronounce Bavillier from Dollywall." Texting again. <laughs> now he admits to it. He's a good sport on it. But the text inbox always ruthless. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Jim, the energy guy, uh, pretty wild. We've been able to score and keep this record while Pedersen, Kuzmenko, and Mikheyev haven't even hit their full stride. A better game, we, we briefly talked about Kuzmenko uh, earlier with Randy. Better game for Kuzmenko. Uh, it didn't really reflect into um, 
production for him, and he winds up playing, uh, I think it was just shy of 16, yeah, 15-23. Not an overwhelming um, minute night for Andre Kuzmenko. No, uh, I don't think so. Um, I think it was interesting just looking at the overall ice time here tonight. A lot of it, that five-minute major plus the other two minutes, that's, you know, they spend, what, seven minutes on the power play tonight? Mm-hmm. The San Jose Sharks did, which is an, incon- an insignificant amount in the game. So it does impact kind of how things get divvied up here uh, in a game like this. But Kuzmenko kind of in line with where, where he normally is, around 15 minutes a game. There were a couple of moments from Mikheyev where it felt like he could have opened it up, and he didn't. There's a, I wonder about the fatigue with him. Mm-hmm. Because we, the, the schedule coming back from knee injury, and when you're coming back from that type of knee surgery, you will have moments where even he himself has said, there are night days, it feels great. Some, some days it doesn't feel good. Now he's really being tested in terms of what he's demanding of that knee. Five games in eight nights. Now you're on another stretch where they play four games in six nights. It doesn't get any easier. And I wonder if that's kind of inhibiting some of his movement and explosiveness the past couple of games. Yeah, I'm missing a text here. Um, sorry if I'm... Oh, here's Ryan. Uh, thoughts on McKayev's 13.53 in ice time. Zeros across the board. Uh, when is he going to look fast? Something's not still not right with him. And, and yeah, there, there were moments where he clearly, like, peak McKayev could open it up and see that explosiveness and... and he held back today. He certainly did. All right. Uh, we'll get to more of your reaction and your phone calls on the other side as we keep breaking down the Canucks 3-1 win over the Sharks right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Ertl, left boards, trying to pass, broken up by Joshua, out to center. He'll dump it all the way down with just 10 seconds left in the period. DiGiuseppe thought about going after it on the forward check. Lafferty pressures Hurdle in the corner, knocks him down, gets it free into the slot for Bluger. Two seconds left to the backhand, stop by Blackwood. They score! Sam Lafferty in front, scores the shorthanded goal! With under a second left on the clock in the second period, the Canucks go up 2 to nothing. The Canucks with a buzzer beater. Sam Lafferty cleaning up the rebound. I had a rough estimate, yeah. Uh... I guess in my mind, maybe a couple extra seconds uh, than it turned out to be. But but fortunately, there's uh, just enough time for him to put it in the net. Teddy Bluger on the postgame show. Talking about that sequence at the end of the second period on the PK. Great play by Dakota Joshua to knock the puck away. And a good forecheck by Sam Lafferty to knock it free. No point for Dakota Joshua, but really him mm-hmm. spearheading all that. And I thought he had, uh, on the previous P- PK too, I thought Joshua was also effective. Knocked a couple pucks loose and created one chance when he drove to the net as well. Had a very good game on the PK. Doesn't get a point on that play, but Teddy Bluger. Great awareness to to jump in on that point and to be able to uh, knock that puck into the net. And the poise, just you know, I, I know he's saying I, I thought I had a bit more time, yeah. but nevertheless, to to make that play uh, very strong. And then Sam Lafferty uh, oh. as well. It, 
I, I mean, on the it's, forecheck too. On, on the on the forecheck uh, to knock the puck away from Tomas Hurdle, not only scoring a goal, but that play itself. It'd be so easy to just give up on that play. Look, yeah. six seconds left. Blackwood just kind of swipes away at that puck and is like, "All right, we'll just wrap up the period here." But he goes hard after it, finds the pass, and you watch at the final conclusion of this play. Like he's got his eye on the puck and watching Bluger kind of take it to his backhand. But just watch at the last minute as he seals off. Uh, I think it was Zetterlund, and. Just a smart play to just give yourself the opportunity to bury that uh, goal, and that opportunity falls for him after the blue uh, Bluger rebound, and and there is a very pivotal moment. Finish the period off strong, get the goal, go up to nothing, and uh, on their way to another two points tonight. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, great performance here from the from some individual players and the Vancouver Canucks coming through with a 3-1 win over the San Jose Sharks. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Uh, keep your car- thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650 Dunbar Lumber. We'll also go to the phone boards in a second here. This text message says, love the show, gentlemen. Just wonder for your opinion on making the skate logo uh, the, fir- the full-time logo or keeping it the same. I prefer the same. Can't have too much of a good thing or else it gets old real quick like the Flames. That's Cam from Victoria getting it shot into. I'm I'm with that though because they somebody else texted in about the matte black helmets. They they featured that look for the first time, which mm-hmm. I, th- I thought looked good. But I'm good with the skate jersey being the part time thing, mm-hmm. not being the full time thing. I didn't really like the helmets. I, I didn't really notice a difference from our view. But in, in general, uh, we'll see. I gotta see it on TV properly. Maybe I thought the black helmets that shine looked good too. But I yeah. thought the matte look was nice. It was fine. It, it was very dark nightish. Dark. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You know. I, I think you just like Batman too much. Yeah, trying to make everything <laughs> about Batman. Dark <laughs> this is a great Dark Knight. All right, uh, all right. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. Let's go to the phone boards. We have we've had people waiting patiently to get on. So let's start start things off in Nanaimo where we have Aiden on the line. Aiden, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts tonight? Hey guys, yeah, um, that was uh, that was the game. Um, not gonna lie, uh, I had my doubts in the first couple period, but hey, um, I watched, I listened to the first um, two periods, and then I turned it on in the third period. And hey, a win's a win, and you know what? Um, I didn't think it was gonna be the ten-one blowout that they had against the Sharks like a month ago. I didn't think it was gonna be that, but I did think they would have played a little bit better. Um, it was nice to see uh, Kuzmenko back on the ice after he. He got that puck to the face, so I was really happy to see that guy back. And, uh, yeah, overall, they got the win. I'm happy, and it was all together. Um, you know what? They got the two points, and, uh, hey, they play Colorado, and they go on the road. So that's the luck to them uh, as they face Colorado on the road. Hope you guys had a good night. Cheers. Uh, thanks for the phone call. That's Aiden and Nanaimo. Yeah, I mean, the Colorado game's big. Now, that's a real test, mm-hmm. you know, and the Canucks have faced a couple, and they've done well against the Dallas Stars, obviously, but, you know, went to overtime against the New York Rangers, a bona fide contender, and obviously not that great against the Toronto Maple Leafs, one of the worst games of their season, or at least worst second half of their season, being dominated late, lose that game 5-2. Now you're facing an opponent that people view as a Stanley Cup contender. It's not, it hasn't been an easy schedule recently in terms of travel, but that's the reality for every team. It's not easy playing a mile high, but what a great test for this team to kind of see how they stack up against a team like that. Yeah, it'll be a nice indicator uh, just to measure yourself, to see where you're at. And it was a game I, I, I mentioned to you last week, you know, the, the 22nd and the 30th are, are some games that are going to give us um, – 
more of an idea of who they are. Like, I don't take a lot out of a game against the Sharks. I think we know what they are. Yeah. You're obviously going to get a much better performance from the Sharks than the 10-1, specifically because it was this team that lit them up 10-1. Yeah. So you were going to get a spirited performance, but there, there, there just isn't a lot to take away from, from these types of games. Uh, but we'll see uh, on uh, Wednesday what a performance against the Avs look like. Because, look, when they want to, they can ratchet it up, too. Oh, yeah. When you saw it was uh, – was earlier this week they were down three nothing come back to win six three to Dallas and that's like a good team mm-hmm. down three nothing they just kind of turn it back on and you know you have McKinnon you have Ranton and and oh yeah by the way that 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 Cal McCarr guy that Cal uh, McCarr? they call it Cal McCarr Cal McCarr but the coach <laughs> referred to him as Cal McCarr we were having some fun with that earlier all right uh, let's continue continue on the phone boards let's go to Surrey uh, Mike and Surrey is on the line waiting to get on Mike thanks for holding on to your phone line uh, what are your thoughts tonight. Hey, thanks. Great show, guys. First, I guess we have to say I like that God saved the queen, queen there. Um, maybe that <laughs> Tyler got Tyler got hit in the Royal Jewels, then, I guess. But, um, anyway, so, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Didn't that hit him on the wrist? Yeah. Oh, I thought. I, from my angle, it looked like the Royal Jewels. Oh, okay. I, I, I thought it hit him in the wrist. Anyways, go ahead. Okay, don't, 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 let right. a, don't let the fact get in the way of a good joke, all right? No, no, no. That was Mike's good. all facts. That's like yeah, true, true. Yeah, Mike's yeah, all yeah, facts. The shiny helmet, not that the one today. Go with the shiny helmet. All right, two things for you tonight. Number one. Um, Kuzmeko is actually having uh, quite a good year. He's um, fifth in the team uh, forwards. And his, do you know that his ice time is almost le- it's probably less than Dakota Johnson, uh, uh, jo- uh, Joshua, sorry. Um, uh, it's pretty hard to score from the bench, you know. He's uh, 55% expected goals, go on ice, you know, everything, right? Um, so the coach is wrong. Fans are wrong. Kuzmenko's actually having a, a, a darn good year, mm-hmm. and he, you can't score from the bench. 16 minutes less than Dakota Johnson, uh, Johnson uh, Joshua. Come on, guys. That's, that, you know, um, yeah, we, you're right. His uh, shooting percentage was going to regress. Uh, but, that, you know, this is where, again, in conjunction with the eyes, the underlying numbers do show something, and they uh, prevent the biases that happen. Because there's a bias, and the reality is that, um, from three or four or five different metrics, uh, Kuzi's playing well. The second point is, going to have to disagree with you guys here on the defense. This was a subpar defensive game. It wasn't sturdy. By my view, by my numbers, it was a C-minus defensive. Demko was amazing. The, uh, the Canucks, 3.2 expected goals, 28 scoring chances against the Sharks. They're a good, they're a good team. I've said that. 97 to 100 point team. You want to know what they need to do to get to that top contender level? You got the Bruins allowed uh, the Sharks one expected goal. Okay. This is what I'm saying, guys. They, they're not, they, offensively, they're, they can be ratchet up, power play. But defensive, allowing, shutting down defensively, they're miles away. You're not going to win the cup unless you can either be in the top eight, shutting down, or have, like we're talking, Pittsburgh Penguins 2016, elite, 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 elite scoring chances, and the Canucks don't have that. So that's my two minutes. What do you guys think? Hey, uh, thanks for the phone call, Mike. Uh, on the Andre Kuzmenko thing, I, I largely agree that we, we were talking about this with uh, Randy to start the post-game show, but... I think the biggest difference between Kuzmenko's game this year and last year offensively is simply the bounce is not going in. Mm-hmm. He's shooting the puck at the same rate. Even on the power play, he was never a guy that handled the puck a ton. His goals were tip-ins. They were tap-ins. You know, open mouth, gold mouth chances, backdoor. He, he'd sweep into the puck, sweep into the net. He played goal. He played in front of the goal mostly. He never handled the puck too much. This year, maybe he's getting less views in front of the net because of the movement on the power play, and he's he's not getting as many clean looks. But also, 
how many clean looks does he have but missed? He had the post tonight. He's had a bunch of tap-in chances where they haven't gone in for him. He scores two or three of those. He's got six goals or even five. Nobody's really talking about it too much. And, and you know, we're, we're looking at him saying, hey, listen, he's got like 16, 17 points on the year. And he already he has fine production. It's not like he, he's not producing. But I do agree that he's – I don't see a huge difference in his offensive game. And you actually think his defensive game has improved. Yeah, certainly the back pressure, too, is is the thing that stood out for me. There's There's been multiple times this season where he's hustling back into play and, and just cuts off a, a, a pass, not not deliberately like he intercepts it, right. but takes away the opportunity for a, a three-on-three chance to cut to the middle of the ice, but he's working hard, whether it's by pass or someone skating in the middle. He, he's done good work to try to slow that play down, and suddenly five Canucks are back, and this play kind of breaks down. I've noticed him doing that significantly more than last year. I'm not saying he's sulky level or anything like that, but from where he was last year, where it, it did look a little bit slow, and he was a little bit lost defensively at times last year. I, I think in his own zone, he's been significantly better. Uh, there's been a couple of moments where he's helped get the puck just out of the zone, and you open up a 2-on-1 for Mikheyev and Pedersen. Just a functionally more well-rounded player, but it's, it's, it's the argument that we've had with even Brock Besser sometimes when in years past we've said, hey, he does all these things, and fans want to see the goals. Because yeah. Manko, he put up 39. It's like, light the lamp. You see the big cellies. The light goes in the air. The arms flow. And he's like, yeah. And because Manko, he's, he's an energetic personality. He's a fun player. And people want to gravitate towards it, and they want to see him score goals. And right now, um, Andre Kuzmenko is not lighting the lamp at the rate that people want to see. Three goals through 17 games, 18 games, it's, it's, it's worrying. No, I get it. Like, the terms of goal production, absolutely. My criticisms of him are the same ones I had last year. You can be more assertive. I'd like to see him attack more downhill. Somebody texted in earlier and said, what do you guys mean by downhill? I mean, the ice surface is flat. The point is, <laughs> and it's a, it's, a great, it's a great point. It's a great point. <laughs> There's no hills in hockey. That's I think this is good. That's strong. But the point when we say attacking downhill is going towards the goal. Like yeah. you're closer to the blue line, you're going towards the goal. That's what you're trying to do. You're attacking towards the goal. Although we never say uphill. No, we don't, right? Well, I mean, you don't attack uphill, I guess, because you're in your own zone. You're trying to get out of your own zone, right? It's a losing cause when you're trying to run uphill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Charge! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, attacking, attacking, attacking the net. How about that? Yes. Attacking the net. Think no, of it that I'm, way. I'm still, still going to say that. Yeah, hundred percent. That's, that's a term, <laughs> but it's a good. It was a good text. He can be more assertive. There's certain mm-hmm. parts of his game for sure. The coach, and here's the thing. I mean, the coach being critical of his game this year. That they, they're critical of his game last year. Mm-hmm. Bruce Boudreaux healthy scratched them. Bruce Boudreaux played him under ten minutes a couple of games and had some, you know, criticisms of his game. I think those things have been there. It's just to me more than anything, um, not quite getting those chances to go in. Uh, this one here came in earlier and said, I think it's from Tyler, uh, just let Kuzmenko have his waffles <laughs> and pancakes before every game. Let him eat whatever he wants. I, I just don't know if that line, it just, it feels, I know we got the text that they haven't clicked yet. And it's true. I notice them at their best when, like it's McKayev and Patterson generating turnovers. Yeah. I, I don't know if we've seen a sustained shift from them where it's like all these chances and someone buries a goal. I, I don't think we've seen that with any sort of regularity. And that's the thing I, I really want to see from them. And it's why the, the comments keep coming in. I was like, it's Pedersen 100%. We, we don't see these dominant shifts yeah. from, from the Pedersen line right now. No, we haven't really seen that, right? And 
you know, to the other point, too, about their overall defensive game, I thought they were pretty clean tonight. I do agree in the second period, there was that early chance. I forget who it was. It was on the Friedman turnover. Tyler Myers gets spun around in front of the net, and there was two clear chances in front of the goal. Demko made spectacular saves, and there was one great chance by the Sharks on the PK on the 2-1-1 where Will Eklund misses the net. That was a really mm-hmm. good scoring chance. There were a couple breakdowns and chances, but overall... You know, I thought it was relatively clean. It'll be a huge challenge against Colorado. And yes, this team needs more defensemen to take that next step as a team. So far this year, great start to the season. Another victory here for the Vancouver Canucks. 3-1 over the San Jose Sharks. I posed a question on Twitter. Who is a Canucks best player tonight? A lot of different responses, varying opinions on who the best player was. We'll get to that. We'll hear from Canucks players. Plus, Ian McIntyre joins us to break down this Canucks victory, bouncing back from two straight losses. It's Satin Bick on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver Sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks win the draw. Heronic to the line for Hughes. Back to Heronic. Left point. Protecting it from Zetterlin. Cuts into the high slot. Passes to Hughes on the right wing. Send it to the goal tip by Besser. Rebound. They score. J.T. Miller. J.T. Miller at the top of the crease. Knocks home the rebound for his 12th of the year. He's on an eight-game point streak. 29 points on the season. And the Canucks lead 3-1. to one. Special night with some Royals in the building as well. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Gave him a, I gave him a fist bump. I don't know if that's if you're allowed to do that. I, I did it, though. He did it. I don't know. He kind of looked at me, but he did it. So, you know, pretty cool to get a fist bump from, right? Canucks head coach Rick Tockett uh, speaking about fist bumping uh, Prince Harry at the game here to promote the Invictus Games before the with the ceremonial puck drop. Him and uh, Meghan Markle attending the game and a lot of cheers and uh, fun being had in the luxury box. They were viewing the game from and, and vibing. Hundred percent, they were vibing. And um, you know, Tockett was wondering. So just really quickly, we got a text earlier. Uh, someone asking what are what are the Invictus Games? First yes. of all, uh, they are coming to Whistler in. 2025, uh, Vancouver Whistler. Yes. But it is for wounded, injured, and sick servicemen and veterans um, for men and women. So It's, it's a great uh, cause. Yeah. It's a great cause. And uh, it's something to get behind no matter what. And that's the reason for their visit here. But obviously enjoying the game as well. And, and the coach mentioned uh, he, he gave... Uh, Prince Harry or fist bump, and he wondered. Uh, he wondered, can I do that? I'm not sure if I can. Now, uh, Fast Eddie Gregory, they call him Fast Eddie because he's really quick on you know the board and getting clips together, but also really quick at finding out information and getting oh, it over no. to us. So uh, this oh, is no. uh, for men. This is a neck bow from the head only, whilst women do a small curtsy. Other people <laughs> prefer simply to shake hands in the usual way when you meet royal family. And here it goes on to say, on presentation to the queen, the correct formal address is your majesty. Yes. And subsequently, ma'am pronounced with a short ah as in jam, as a a as in jam. For male members of the royal family, the same rule applies, with the title used in the first instance being your royal highness and subsequently, sir. For the other female members of the royal family, the first address is conventionally your royal highness and subsequently, ma'am. So... Didn't quite follow protocol necessarily with, with how he went. I'm certain it was, yo, bro, <laughs> fist bump. 
I, I'm a big fist bump guy. I'm not a handshake person. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, yeah, I prefer fist like bumps. job interviews and first introductions. Sure, I'll do a handshake, but in general, I'm fist bumping everyone. Well, especially post pandemic and like post just everything. 100%. It's like you know, it was like you good. I'm good. I'm good with the. If we're, especially for someone like Harry, you're probably he's probably shaking so many hands. Yeah, exactly. Meeting so many people, you're just like, dude, what's up? Yeah. Welcome to the bench. Hundred percent. Because look, he's on Rick Tockett's bench. <laughs> It's not his world. It's Tock's bench, man. Yes. It is. It's his rules when he's on the bench. <laughs> his prison rules apply here. Yeah. Uh, Bob in North Vancouver. I drank the Canucks Kool-Aid. We will be okay. So he believes. Uh, but yeah, uh, a lot of good reaction on the text inbox. A lot of people making fun of uh, the Rick Tockett thing as well. But yeah. Ma'am. Ma'am. Uh, as far as the best player, uh, this one says, Hughes, best player than Demko. Um, so I posted this on t- Twitter for the post-game tweet that I put out. Um, you know, who did you think uh, the Canucks' best player was tonight? And there was a lot of reaction. Like, Jabo says, Bovillier, he gets one. Uh, Dagger says, JT Miller. Uh Nikhil says Dakota Joshua, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller from Ray Hat, and uh, Sue says Hughes or Demko. Uh, Demko, Miller, Pete Myers even gets some love on the text on uh, on Twitter as well. And Mighty Quinn even gives Garland some love today. So it was one of those games where you could, and Wadi says Bluger, for instance, Hoaglander from Nuckfutz. So, uh, so there's a bit of everything on text. So the point I was trying to make was it was one of those games where you could have made the case in your own estimation who the best player was tonight. Now, there's some more obvious choices with how Demko played. He was he was strong tonight, obviously. Quinn Hughes doing his thing, now leading the league in scoring, getting uh, getting two points, an absolute laser of a shot as well for the Vancouver Canucks. And we talked to Teddy Bluger game and him playing the best game as he's played as a Canuck. And then we mentioned Dakota Joshua having maybe his best game of the season. So it wasn't, you know, this banner performance, but in terms of individual efforts, there were a lot of guys you could have singled out tonight. Yeah, I don't know if we got any 8 out of 10 performances, but I would say a lot of 7 out of 10s. And, and that's why it, it creates an interesting debate of, okay, was it Joshua tonight? Was it, again, Quinn Hughes winds up being the first star again? Uh, I'm pretty sure Quinn Hughes is going to win the uh, Three Stars Award uh, as well uh, in-house. Uh, Demko played amazing. JT Miller gets the goal, which got the Royals out of their seats. Um, yeah, the, 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 there was a lot of contributors tonight, but I don't know if there was any star tonight. No, I, I'd agree with that. I'd say that... Uh, well, I, you know what, man? I thought JT was strong tonight too. We haven't spoken about JT Miller a lot tonight. Mm-hmm. I thought he drove the net really well. He, you know, he blocked a couple shots too. There was a shift. You know the shot block he had? It was at the end of yeah. the second period. He just dives in front of it head first too. I mean, I thought he had some really strong moments tonight. There was a shift where the D men kept chipping the puck down low, and JT kept having to skate back to skate down uh, to retrieve it, and then. One point, two Sharks players converged on him in the corner, and you think, all right, like this is the moment where they pin the puck, they yeah. get it out, and away they go. And JT just swats a stick, lifts the other one, pins it against the board, slides it away. You're like, dude, another level right now uh, from JT, and in in general, strong. Like it was, it was just like on the puck, hard on the puck, whatever you want to talk, and just how he controlled it. It was a really good game for from JT, and they get to five on five goal as well, diving in front of the net and buries that chance, and, and it looked similar to you know the, the style of goal I think you know Rick Tockett wants to see. It's that tip play that we see, uh, and it was another like precise passing from Ronick and Hughes 
along the blue line, sets us up, and Hughes just fires that in, uh, generates that rebound, and, and, and there's J.T. Miller to bury it in. Yeah, and I mean, I watch J.T. Miller, and I know uh, we, we oftentimes, I wouldn't say get accused of, but, you know, being being known as more the pro-JT people sure. in the media, so to speak, and whatever. No, you can say accused of. Okay. Accused of for, for two plus years. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's fine. I mean, I'm just saying you could you, you could mention that, right? I'm calling it what it is. <laughs> it's, it's fine, but honestly, I still don't think there's enough of an appreciation for how talented he is. You know what I mean? Like, it, I, I get the antics and stuff I understand, and I know there's a lot of discussions about the contract and how does it fit in. I get that. But, like, remove all that away and appreciate what he is as a player. And I don't think there's enough focus on just how supremely, supremely skilled he is with the puck as well. The physical aspects are, are things that we note a lot, especially because nobody else on the, not many players on, on the team have that, those similar qualities. And, and the way he can control the puck, and you mentioned this, when he puts a guy on his hip and he drives and, and, he, and he's so strong, very few players can do that consistently across the league the way he does. But just in terms of his vision, his hands, and how soft they are, and how he thinks the game, and how he sees the game how good he is on the power play with manipulating defenders and, and being really a coach on the ice. Like he, he often directs play and t- t- tells guys what Based to do. plays, you notice it a lot. And it usually works out. Like mm-hmm. Oftentimes it works out. And, and I don't think there's enough made of how incredibly skilled he is. And I know there's been times in his game where it has been erratic, but I almost think there's been a disservice to his game by not illuminating how incredibly talented he is. There was a, a the power play in the... Second period, I want to say. Um, it's the play that we see where, like, PD throws it to Miller. Miller puts it to the the bumper, and it was Brock Besser uh, in that spot. And, you know, a little while ago we saw – sorry, it was the first period. A little while ago we saw JT with that little sauce pass yeah. right to Brock Besser against the Islanders, and, and Brock turns it into the far post. Pedersen fed JT tonight with a really hard pass, and it wasn't the feathered sauce pass, but he took all this thing out of the puck and slid it very slowly to Brock, and just the ability to take how hard that pass was and set up a nice one for Brock Besser, like, that was another nice play where you think, hey, here's this power player who mm-hmm. you know, plays with some intensity to just show the skill level of, of the hands of, like, take this hard pass and slide it perfectly to a, a goal scorer in a prime spot where he's still not under pressure. It was it was the right weight in the pass, and it gives Brock another chance and just shows the variation of, of skill set that he has, that, that he's got multiple styles of passes uh, in his bag. Well, and that's why we talk about him channeling, channeling his energy in, the, in, the, in a more productive way. Mm-hmm. And with the new head coach here and Rick Talkin and how he's been able to get him engaged in the right areas of the game. A lot of it comes down to his ownership as well, but I think Talk has been the perfect coach to 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 allow him to harness his energy the proper way. Because if it goes the wrong way, it, it can be detrimental. Mm-hmm. He himself admits that. But it's about having the accountability and discipline personally, but also somebody who's able to rectify it as a head coach. Like Having that authoritative figure who can get you in line is really important, especially for a guy like JT. Well, Think of the balance you have to strike there, because you mentioned if it goes the wrong way, where it's it's too expressive and it, yeah. he implodes and it has an impact on the players as well as teammates. Think of it goes the wrong way the other direction, where now you've taken this guy who plays with an edge and he starts playing soft, yeah, and he starts playing quiet. That's not the version of JT you want to see, and that's not the version of JT that's very effective. 
And that's where I think Rick Tockett's played this role really well of, like, we still want to empower you to be yourself. But you have to be the best version of yourself. Yes. And, and challenge him to make sure that you have the uh, accountability individually mm-hmm. to know when you stepped across and to know when you can't do what you, what you just did. Because I don't – and I'm sure fans don't. I, I, I don't, I don't want to see, a, like, a mousy player out there. He's He's got some roar to his game. And when you let him do it and he, he doesn't harm himself in, in playing that way – Yeah. It's it's such an interesting player, and he, he plays at such a high level. Interesting, unique, yeah. And, or in a guy that there aren't that many players that are like him. There like really this, aren't. this text here says, people who actually understand hockey will understand how valuable JT is to this team. This guy is a unicorn because he's a tank with the softest hands. Yeah, and that's a good and point. Look, like I, I think there's more skilled players. Around the league, and certainly that that play is position. Like for instance, someone like Tim Stutzla. Like Tim is so much fun to watch. Yeah, you see the high dynamic play. The skating is, is really special, and he thinks the game really fast, and the hands play really fast. But JT like just plays the game differently. And yes, we're talking about skill level, but the the output of your actual production and what you do overall on the ice, like they can make a similar impact. Mm-hmm. It looks completely different, but it, it's not mm-hmm. all just about skill. At some point, you have to have that hard edge for you, and JT provides that. That I think you know isn't recognized across the league because it doesn't look like someone like a Tim Stutzla. Well, and you're absolutely right on that. It's a great observation. Uh, this one too, you may have heard this take before from Evog. Miller is Jimmy Butler, JT Tuckett. I've been saying. You've been saying? JT Buckets. JT Buckets. That's right. Uh, All right. As far as JT Miller and his thoughts, we are going to get to Ian McIntyre, who will join us in a couple minutes. But before he gets here, here is the aforementioned JT Miller talking about his play tonight and the Canucks winning 3-1 over the San Jose Sharks. And he starts off talking about how great number 43 has been, Quinn Hughes. I don't know about mechanics. I mean, I always make fun of him because I think he shoots really goofy, but he's... He he just he's going into he's making defense defenses break down like by himself because you know I just said he'll he'll beat a guy and somebody else will leave their guy now because there's a breakdown and it just creates chaos and that's what him and Phil are doing up there and like I'm just trying to get out of his way and uh, he's shooting with traffic and he's timing his shots really well like he doesn't have the most powerful shot I think he'll tell you that but when he gets it off he's at weird angles and the goalie's in a weird spot and there's traffic in front and they're going at a high rate for him which is awesome. What did you make of the overall performance from the group? Tonight? I thought it was good. You know, it's uh, you know not perfect, but I thought for the most part, I thought we played fast. So we had some a lot of good looks in their end. Um, yeah, I just think it was a good response from us. And I'm not, you know, obviously we'll watch tomorrow, and there might be a different answer. But I just think it was important that we were willing to not think that this was going to be like it was last time. We played like a hard-fought game. They worked their butt off over there, and other, you know, they're hard to play against, so you have to be in your structure and make them defend, and I thought for the most part we did that. How about from the push you got from your bottom six next tonight? Yeah, it was great. They played awesome. You know, they provided a lot of energy, spent some, created a lot of turnovers on the other team's end, and they were able to capitalize, so it was nice. How about the goal right at the end of the second on the penalty kill? How important was that for you guys? Oh, that's a big part of the game. You know, uh, I don't know how the uh, Blues got the puck, but, you know, Dak made a heck of a stick, I think, to, they had him hemmed in a little bit, and he broke up the play at the blue line to get the puck down. And then, um, obviously, having that lead going into the third is a lot different, so it was nice. The diving shot clock near the end of the third period. Uh, how important is it to just throw your body on the line there, even in the game where you have a two-goal lead? Uh, I just think it's it, that's a 
I don't want to dive too far into this. It was just a shot block, but it was, uh, you know, it, it shouldn't matter. I think it should, it's like a mindset thing for the team is you got to want to get in the way of the puck. And I missed one on the penalty kill today that ended up in the, it's kind of a goofy goal off of Mizey, but if I block that one, it probably doesn't end up in the back of the net. So um, it's a, there's a fine, like there's a very fine line there about being in the shot lanes. And um, we had a couple big ones. Phil had an awesome one in the third period too. So I just think it's a part of our team identity. Did you guys switch something in the second intermission to be a little more aggressive up top on the PK? Um, they were doing. Yeah, I mean, you're constantly. I don't want to give you our game plan here, but like we were. <laughs> they, they just showed us a couple different looks, so we were just trying to adjust on the fly. Mm-hmm. Did you see Prince Harry react to your goal? J T. Miller. He has. I mean. I mean, you can describe him somewhat as aloof sometimes sure, in yeah. a certain way, but somebody else texted in earlier, and I think he's very much in line uh, with the line of thinking uh, that came in here that said, if you guys talk about the royal family one more time, I've turned this off. It's worse than listening to Toronto radio, Dave from the Valley, and I'd say uh, J.T. Miller has no time for royal family talk either. He's like, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Straight to the business. <laughs> Straight to the business. Uh, Dino texted. Although that is kind of cool. It is good, yeah. I, I, I'm sure he'll... You know. Look back. Years one day. gone by, like, oh. or, or maybe as he says uh, when he's thinking about the game at night, you know, having the whiskey or whatever he might be thinking about <laughs> it. Uh, Dino texts in and says, "Love listening to your post game show. Thoughts to contribute. Miller is the best passer this team has had for a long time, maybe ever. Too bold to take. Uh, uh, definitely ever. Yes, yeah, uh, yes. uh, too bold. But and, it's and, a great. And even a long time is is." Five years five, a long time? Yeah, six years a long time? Wait, wait. Depends on your perception of sure. five or six years. This, uh, the second thought, they should let Kuzmenko go on the Kessel diet, let him eat whatever he wants, his lower uh, body fat in- index is throwing his scoring, throwing off his scoring uh, mojo, and also says, I must concede, Friedman looked better back there than Hirose, even though I am rooting for number 41. That's from Dino. You know, it's fair to point out, yes. for Friedman and Juleson, much better tonight. And- much cleaner. Now, Friedman had the chance, like I said, he had a couple moments, but overall, I thought it was much cleaner from him. Yeah, the, there was um, a Hoaglander play that set up a two-on-one uh, for Beauvillier, uh, where Beauvillier gets it off of a Lafferty pass, and it went off the shoulder. I think it may have even hit the bar as well before going out of play. But it starts with Noah Juleson, who just didn't waste a lot of time when he got the puck, just fired up. Hoaglander makes a nice play in the neutral zone to get it to Lafferty, but it all starts with Juleson. Yeah. Just, look, if the first play is there, mm-hmm. whip it. Yeah, and and that's where you can play safe and still execute. Like you're putting trust in someone else to make a play, but like when you delay, you're just inviting more pressure. Mm-hmm. And now that first you know exit out isn't there. Now forwards have to loop back, and they're coming back into the zone. It's just it's just too many problems get created when when they're just not playing fast. And and those two players, I think tonight, smooth, much better decision making. Yeah. And I think when you see that, it's. Just make the simple. And his biggest issue, and we talked about this on the on the pregame show as well. And we we obviously broke this down on the postgame show last game on where he takes the penalty, does double clutches. Yeah, Noah Juleson does. And Perfect then, example. And then you know invites the pressure. Next yeah. thing he loses the puck, and then he takes the penalty. And you know next thing you know the uh, the Seattle crack a score on that man advantage, and he's the guy that people are pointing towards. It's just half a beat. It's mm-hmm. a beat. And if you can just get that a little quicker, it makes such a big difference. And th- those are the swings that you see. Uh, all right. It's time to bring in our closer. We call them in from the bullpen. We call them the triple threat for a reason, because you watch him on TV, you read him on digital, and you have the pleasure of re- hearing him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. 
All right. Oh, no, no music tonight. It's wow. all good. We'll bring you in. We'll bring you in cold. Uh, bullpen I, you know tonight. what? I don't yeah. deserve music for showing up this late. <laughs> no, I've, well, I've made it in. We don't have a hotkey yet. It's, 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 it's 2023. <laughs> I've made it in from the bullpen in time for the last pitch. Yes. There's two. Well, maybe it, maybe I've got a whole batter. Can you, you, got, you have a can batter. Can you hear me breathing on the air? Yeah, Is you, that me? you ran. Oh. We can tell. You, you, you hustled to get over here. I it's did, okay. and I'm injured, too. Yeah, you, oh, you, uh, hurt, you hurt your knee again? Uh, no, luckily not. I just pulled my hamstring. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jogging uh, over here uh, I'm playing soccer again? I'm, yeah. yeah. You, you pick up, like, one soccer injury a year, don't you? Or multiple? No, probably about one. One a year, yeah. But it just... I mean, everyone's playing hurts. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. It just sucks because I had waited so long to start playing again because oh, yeah, of my knee. Yeah. This was game four. Well, and I was four, starting man. to feel it again. Oh, you got your confidence back? Did you well. look like Teddy Bluger tonight? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Was it on a, like a, a stretch for a, a shot block? No, it was, it was ridiculous. I'd played an hour at that point, and I felt great. And I just, there was a free ball. The net was open. The, the path was clear. My eyes lit up, and my body said no. <laughs> So, uh, yes, no, those I had a happen. beer after and felt better. Yeah, okay, so. good. Yeah, hey, listen, at least those things that you can get better with a few weeks of rest, hopefully. So, just yeah. don't hurt yourself running over from press row <laughs> to get here. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, the custodians must have wondered what, what is, is going, going on? on. Here's a guy in a suit and dress right. shoes hobbling, no, hobbling over da- what is going down on? level five. Is this the royal family? Uh, <laughs> Are they still here? Yeah, what a night that was, though, eh? Oh, yeah, what a I mean, it, it ended up being it is the San Jose Sharks and everything, but uh, it ended up being a whatever. thrilling game. It ended up being a thrilling game, like, it ended up being a pretty th- good game. Obviously, the crowd was really into a great buzz here, and you mentioned a royal family being here for the, some extra little intrigue. Uh, the fans were lapping it up. Uh, it was, it was, a, it was actually a really good atmosphere here tonight. You know, it's it's what people uh, I think go to a hockey game for to be entertained, mm-hmm. uh, to leave happy, and with stories to tell yeah. people the next day. And they can they can talk about Prince Harry and his reaction <laughs> to the yeah. third goal, which was fabulous, or they could just talk about the third goal, which was fabulous. Because yeah. to me, that that just uh, illustrated where. Quinn Hughes and Philip Ronick are now just 19 games into this partnership. Yeah. That they already seem to possess that ability that when they really want to, they just flex and exert their will, um, play keep away with the puck a little, crisscross, whatever. Passers so precise on that play. Yeah. Uh, it just, you know, you had a feeling because they had, uh, the Canucks had had some good shifts in the third period. I think that's one of the encouraging things, you know, celebrity aside tonight, <laughs> that, you know, the team, when the game was on the line, instead of the Seattle game where they just kind of dissipated and yeah. let Seattle have the game, they seized this game. Right, they played their best in the third period, but you could kind of feel it coming. And then right from the face-off, with uh, Miller's line on and and Hughes and Heronic, it just you know the the purpose of their movement. Mm-hmm. It just looked like they were going to get a goal, uh, and they did. And I, I had a had a wonderful little chat with with JT after the game before the the main media herd came over to graze. <laughs> And what a great way of describing it. And he said, he said, you know, when we're out there with them, they're doing stuff we don't know where to go mm-hmm. yeah. because we ha- we haven't seen it before. But it's unbelievable the space that they create mm-hmm. because they they 
meaning Ronick and Hughes, yeah. they will beat defenders, and then another defender will try to do something to make up for the first defender yeah. getting beaten, and suddenly, according to JT, there's space everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you just you just go find the space, and those guys are so good. Uh, I've never seen uh, anything like it. I mean, we've talked a lot about Quinn Hughes, and and we know we know and have known for a few years, pretty much since he got here, that this organization, this franchise, has never had yeah. a defenseman like him. But honestly, as a pairing, and I'm, I fully realize it's 19 games yeah. and they've won nothing. Yeah, and you know it would really help validate all this talk about where they belong in history if they'd actually, let's say, win a Stanley Cup yes. sometime. We can dream. <laughs> but uh, I just don't remember a pairing where the two guys are so dynamic together. And Miller said that after the game. Remember, he went to the Cup Final with the Rangers, was on the Tampa team just before they went off and, and won their Stanley Cups. So he's played with great players. But he doesn't remember a pairing where the two guys are are this dynamic because typically it's as he described it a stud and a stay-at-home guy and you have a really good chemistry with those two skill sets these are two dynamic guys who still seem to be learning what they're capable of and and how to play with each other and you know one of the things that that uh everybody that talked to from talkett to miller to hughes after the game they all agreed is that Ronick and Hughes as a pairing, they're just getting started. Yeah. They're, they're just, they should continue to get better as they become more and more familiar with each other. I oh, don't have a lot of time, but I do want to ask no, you I'm afraid the, not. the, the Hoaglander <laughs> thing. Yeah, uh, as I said on TV... Oh, that, you guys were on TV tonight? Yeah, we oh. were on TV tonight. That's, <laughs> that's why we're dressed so well. It's still funny. That's the thing. It's the same so joke good. every time. It's, it's still funny. <laughs> well, we like it. Yeah. I don't know if, if you are really enjoying it, but Sat and I are. I, I think it's a good bit. You can hear Sat. Although it's not, he isn't really enjoying it till you hear him snort. No. <laughs> You won't oh. There you go. You got it. Yeah. Wait, was that you? No, that was, no, that was him. And that was genuine, too. I was trying not to. Uh, you, really? No, I, was, I was trying not to, oh, and then okay. it just kind of happened. No, it's, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> Hoaglander. So it, I thought it was harsh at the time, but when you see the replays and you see that his leg, you know, it does swing uh, behind LeBanc. Le and that's really dangerous. It's, it's hard to tell, and maybe Nils is the only one who would really know. Mm. It, it almost looked to me like he was already, because LeBanc was turning and there was a stick caught in... I think Hoaglander had his stick in him. So, like, collectively, they were already twisting, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think they were losing their balance. A little entangled. And maybe it's yeah. incidental that Hoaglander's right leg came around. But when you see it on the replay, it's the right call. I, I don't think he deserves – well, I'm pretty sure he doesn't deserve to be suspended for that, but you never know. He could right. he could get a game. Maybe he'll get two. But it's 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 a dangerous play. We've you know, and it would be hypocritical uh, for us to argue otherwise. I mean, 
especially covering this team as long as I have, I've seen Brad Marchand do that to a half dozen guys. And every time it's dangerous and every time I think he should be suspended for it. And now lately he has been. Um, so we'll we'll see what supplemental discipline has, has to say. I think it was the right call. Again, I thought it was harsh at first, but when you see the replay, uh, I think it was the right call. Uh, it's great, great for the Canucks um, that they got that shorthanded goal because it turns out they needed it because Hurdle scored on the power play in, in the third. But, yeah, it's it's too bad. And, and as I also said on TV, Bick, it, it's too bad for Nils as well because I really think he has been trying to be the player that Talkett wants him to be. And we've certainly seen more uh, engagement and and abrasiveness and speed with purpose. Mm-hmm. Like not just empty calories speed, but speed with purpose. And so it's too bad that he's he may face a little a little interruption to that. Because he needs to play that way. That's I think that's his path to success as an NHL player, at least for the time being is to play that way. So the fact that he, you know, is physical and been combative, I, I like that. But, uh, again, the replay wasn't flattering for him. No, it wasn't. Uh, quickly on Thatcher Demko, how, how much – he made a couple of great saves. Did they, did they lean on him heavily, and does he just make it easy? Uh, both. Yeah. Both. I mean, he, he makes it easier just because he gives everybody so much confidence. And, and I've – told this story before but i'll quickly tell it again just when the canucks got roberto luongo uh, i remember trevor linden explaining to me the difference that it makes in your mindset because mm-hmm. before every game you look on you look at the other team's roster their lineup and they say oh they got this guy and oh we've got to watch this guy and oh they, this guy's really good but he says then you look at your own lineup and you see we got this guy in goal mm-hmm. and that always gives you a chance and that's how the team feels with with Demko now, like they always have a chance, and Demko was outstanding tonight. You know, when it was scoreless, I mean that the goal that was uh, called back, which was the right call as well, yeah. uh, because clearly it was in, in, interfered with by uh, Zetterland. He actually makes the first yeah, save yeah. when he's all already out of position, and although maybe the scoring shot just hit him. Because uh, in the replay I saw, I, I feel could, like he did li- move. I, yeah, I, I, I could He's, He's trying to get it. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't see that for sure where he was looking, but it, he almost kept that one out yeah. too. Like it's, it's crazy how good he is, and just how, how composed that when things happen in front of him, you know, whether it's that puck bouncing away from Tyler Myers, and suddenly there's a chance out yeah. of thin air right in the slot. He's just always so. Composed. The least composed he looked was on that early two-on-one yeah. that, that Zetterlin, yeah. or was it Eklund? It was Eklund who missed it on the backhand, yeah. Eklund had him beaten, but, you yeah. know, missed net. That's, it stood out because it's one of the few times you see... He was lunging You've seen way, yeah. Thatcher like The arms season. came up and they were flying. Yeah, yeah, all season looked like he wasn't quite in, in control. He's just so, so steady, so dependable, and that gives... Uh, an infinite amount of confidence to the guys in front of him. Yeah, it gives the team a strong bone, and they improve the record to 13-5-1 with his victory over the San Jose Sharks. He's Ian McIntyre. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca. Great stuff as always. Look forward to chatting with you coming up on Wednesday. Are you going to Colorado? I'm not going to Colorado, but I will be in Seattle, and I'll be writing from home on Colorado, so I'll be talking to you on the phone. Oh, so we look forward to chatting with you on Wednesday on the postgame show and a tilt between two powerhouses in the West, at least in the standings. 
How about just Kale McCarvey, Quinn Hughes? Oh, it's going to be remarkable. Could you have those guys just play one-on-one? I know that's more of a basketball thing, but somehow I'm thinking that would still be entertaining I'd, I'd just like to, to see s- those two guys. Those two guys going head-to-head three-on-three might be a lot of fun. They're the only two players in the world right now who play that way. Yeah. Yeah, they certainly are. And At this level, anyway. Somebody texted in earlier and said that, that whole notion that McCarr is in a tier of his own is being challenged right now with the way Quinn Hughes is playing. And it's it's worth a point. It's a worth it's a good point. It's worth a discussion at the very least. And that just shows you how far Quinn has gotten despite being one of the best players in the league already at his position. But we'll talk, talk more about that on Wednesday, Canucks and Avs. He's Bick Nazar back on the People Show tomorrow. Yannick Hansen dropping by, so make sure to listen to that. Thanks to Lena and thanks to Eddie back at the station. And thank you all for listening and then partaking in the show. This has been the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.